going to talk not really about, you know, just marriage. We're going to talk about relationships today. And we wanted this message to touch every person in the room. And, and every one of us has relationships that need constant work and friendships, whether it's a relationship between you and your dad, you and your mom, you and your son, you and your wife, your, your husband, uh, your father, your mother, your best friend. And so we're going to cover today seven lies that ruin relationships, seven lies that ruin relationships. And these are seven lies that a lot of us at times are tempted to believe um, that, that could lead us down a path of losing the very people in our life we want to have a strong relationship with. And we're going to hit you with seven truths as well. So if you have a Bible, open up to John chapter 8. Yes, John chapter 8 has a lot to say about truth and lies, truth and lies. In John 8, 44, it says, there is no truth in the devil. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar, a liar, he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. So what we need to understand is we have an enemy, and the enemy is not your spouse. The enemy is not your boss. The enemy is not your dad, not your son, not your daughter, not your stepmom, whoever it is. The enemy is the devil, and he's constantly speaking lies. But Jesus also says in that same chapter, verse 32, but you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we're going we're gonna to cover that today. Ashley, you want to jump into this? Yes. You know, it's hard to believe that there's good news about lies, but there is some good news about lies. Come on. The good news is that we have a choice if we're going to believe them. We have a choice if we're going to believe them. You know, lies only have power in the lives of those who choose to believe them. And as powerful as God's truth is, I mean, his truth is transformational. But his truth only has power in the lives of those who choose to believe it. And so we have a choice what we're going to believe. As we're facing situations, that we're, as we're facing relationships, as we're facing internal things, that we would recognize we have a choice of what belief system that we are going to come in alignment with. And so part of um, healing from lies is exposing that these things are lies and then revealing the truth, replacing that lie with truth. And I'm, I'm, th I'm so thankful for good friends in my life where I'm sharing certain things. And they're like, Ashley, that is such a lie. Like, that's a lie of the devil. Like, that's a lie of the enemy. That's something that you're just believing in your head. Because in your head, it just sounds so true. <laughs> like, it sounds so right. Even the most devaluing things about your relationships, about your life, about yourself, when you just keep it in our head, it sounds so true. But when we get it out, when someone can say, you know what, that is a lie, and let me um, dispel that lie with the truth of what God's word says about you. Or sometimes we're believing, like, lies that are not devaluing, but actually extremely prideful, and we can think, okay, let's bring it back to humility level right here with the truth of God's word. Either way, I'm thankful for people to, that will call us out in truth and love to bring maturity in our life, and that's what we want to do this morning, is we just want to have a conversation about the lies of the enemy that we believe, or lives that we make up in our head, and bring the truth of God's word to it. Yeah, so the first lie is this right here. We're the only ones going through this. We're the only ones going through this. See, the enemy doesn't have to destroy you if he can convince you of a lie. Because if he convinces you of a lie, he will get you to self-destruct. He won't even have to take you out. You'll take yourself out. And this lie right here, so many people fall for this lie. I'm the only one going through this. We're the only relationship that deals with this. We're the only marriage going through this. And this is a pathway, Ashley, you shared this, a pathway towards isolation. And isolation is a setup for destruction. You start thinking no one else, no one else is facing this. No other, no other marriage has to deal with this. Um, and, and no one else has to face the pain that we've walked through. So when Ashley and I got married, we, um, in our first two months, we went to four funerals that were very, like, close. It was my dad. He passed away three weeks after our wedding. Um, then it was my grandpa, Papa Clyde Swift in Arkansas, who passed away, my mom's dad, um, just two weeks after my father. And then it was her grandpa. And so my, you know, Papa-in-law. And then 
Oral Roberts, who was a very close friend in our family. So in, in eight weeks, we went to four funerals. We moved in with my mom because we didn't want her as a widow living by herself um, right after her husband passed. And so all the kids moved in, all the Doherty kids and our kids. Well, this was the first two months of our marriage. We had been saving ourselves our entire life for this exciting season. And here we are in my mom's house. And my brothers and sisters placed us in so the room. So sexy, right? They placed us. Had to make it up. Yeah, they placed us in the room next to my mom. And there's no lock on the door, and we got nieces and nephews running through the house. So Isaac's like coming in every ten minutes. My nephew, he's like, "Hey, Paul, Ashley, what's going on? Nothing, Isaac. Leave now in Jesus' name." You know. <laughs> And uh, it, was, it was stressful. There was pressure. We've, after three months of, of living there, we, we ended up moving into our condo um, that we had, you know, ready to, to move into. But we were waiting just for the right timing. And so, but during that time, there was a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. There was a lot of moments to be offended at one another, um, to be just angry and easily irritated because of all of the pain and the hurts. When you lose someone that's really close to you, you're just you're already fragile and you're sensitive, so anything can unintentionally set you off. And so um, it, it was tough. It was, it was tough. And a few years later, we were sitting in a service and John and Lisa Bevere um, were here and they started talking about their marriage. And I was like leaning forward on the front row, just smiling. And they started talking about their first five, 10 years of marriage. And afterwards I go, no way. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, I thought Ashley and I were the only ones. And he goes, Paul, there's millions of us out here. I go, why isn't anybody talking about it? How come it just seems like everybody has an Instagram perfect marriage with constant smiles and no fights and nobody posts the painful parts of, of a relationship? And he goes, listen, Lisa and I, we were throwing plates at each other. I was like, all right. I'm not going to tell you the stories of our life, but, you know, <laughs> but they shared their, their marriage story. They wrote a book on it. And uh, there's something powerful with the words us too, us too, uh, because it invites us into the circle of going, oh, we're not the only ones. We're not the only ones that have had to deal with that. We're not the only ones that have had to learn and forgive. And uh, I know you guys are like leaving us out here on the branch of being the only ones, but I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you're not the only one. You're not the only one. Ash, you want to share a little bit on this? Yeah, I think there are definitely moments where we're up against things that we don't know how to navigate, and so we go for advice. But I will venture to say that the majority of us, as we're coming to someone and sharing some struggles that we're going through, whether individually or in relationships, just hearing the words, I've been there too, just brings a lot of healing. It's good. And you know, the people that I can go to in my life and reach out to for advice or for for just comfort. Honestly, the people that I want to go to the most are people that have shown me their weaknesses. Because you guys know that we might lead with our strengths, but we connect with one another in our weaknesses. And the depth of the relationships in our life and the depth of our marriages has a lot to do with us admitting, I've been there too. I've been there, man. I felt that you are not the only one, especially when we come and we bring things to light that we're not proud of or things, bring things to light that, man, we, we should be over this. A lot of us, we can beat ourselves up and we can spiral ourselves in shame and spiral ourselves in guilt, but to find somebody to say, you know what, I've been there too, yeah. brings so much healing and just brings so much hope that if you've been there too, and you're not there anymore, now I want to lean in. I want to lean in and ask you, how did you get there? Because you identified with where I am now. And you know, the, the, the reality is you brought up isolation, that when we believe the lie that we're the only ones dealing with this, we set ourselves in a direction of isolation. And when we isolate ourselves and our situation, we constantly will begin cutting ourselves off from any solutions. Because when we say, oh, when we believe the lie, at first it just sounds like no big deal, right? Like, like a first lie, like it's the first one we think we're just believing at one time. But what it does, when we start believing lies, it sets us in a direction and a belief system starts to get rooted in our hearts. 
And so when we say, you know what, I'm the only one that have dealt, I'm the only one that's dealt with this, or nobody's dealt with this. What that does is it sets us up away from other people because we feel like if nobody's been through this, then nobody can understand what I'm going, what I'm going through. Yeah. And then again, we cut ourselves off from the community, and we'll get into this more in a little bit. We cut ourselves off from the lifelines. Because we've talked ourselves and retreated back into isolation because we feel like we're the only ones going through this or that. And I refuse to believe that I'm the only one. And even though I may feel it, even though I may not have had a recent conversation about it, I believe that people are walking through things. And and 1 Peter 5, 9 says, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. It says, remember that your Christian brothers and sisters are all over the world going through the same thing. To believe that there are people out there that are fighting the fight of purity. There are people out there that are fighting for peace. There are people out there that are fighting for personal sanity. There are people out there that are fighting for gratitude. There are people out there that are fighting for contentment. And because I know there are people out there that are doing it, I am not alone. And therefore, I am strong in my faith because I am not alone. And I'll mention this, the people in here who have been married for years and years, man, I want to celebrate, we celebrate the faithfulness, we celebrate um, you just uh, staying the course and the longevity of your relationship and your marriage. And I hope you know, I'm going to say it's, there's two sides to this. I want to celebrate with you, but I also want to challenge you. Those people who have been married for long, who have been there and have some, and, and can be there for other people, will you do that? Instead of sticking in just celebration mode, can you invite some people along the journey with you? Can you invite some people along? Can you be group leaders? Can you, do you have to be a group leader to get in a group and share what's going on? Can you put yourself in situations where you can say, you know what, you are not alone. And I've been there, and I want to walk with this, want to walk you through this with you. I think that is one of the best gifts on the other side of, 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 of um, these situations that, we can, that we've walked through that are difficult is to find somebody and just walk with them, even if we're not sharing everything that we've learned. But we can say, you know what? I've been there, and I'm going to do this with you. So good. And that's what John and Lisa did with us. Yes. It was just, and they it, just gave yeah, us hope. So good. Okay. Here's the second lie. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. <laughs> and this is, this is a terrible idea when it comes to an airplane. How many would like to get on an airplane with the motto, if it ain't broken, we ain't going to fix it? Uh, right? They're going to wait until it crashes to fix it. No, no, no. That airplane, before I get on that airplane, I'm hoping that they're paying attention to yellow flags, red flags. They're fine-tuning things. They're keeping that airplane fueled. They're doing oil checks. I don't want that thing up in the air with my family in it if they're not paying attention to that plane. And it's the same thing with your marriage. It's the same thing with relationships. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. That's a terrible way to have a thriving, healthy relationship because relationships need constant upkeep. They need work. They need uh, fine-tuning. And so uh, in, our, in our marriage, we've had seasons of change. Um, when we first got married, you know, uh, leading into having children, having a second, a third, a fourth child now, every new season requires new adjustments, new changes, new improvements. And there's little things that we can do that help strengthen the relationship. Um, just like when I was, you know, uh, growing up, there were seasons where my mom and dad could spend time with us and seasons where uh, we had to, there, we had to make a bigger effort. You had to do more things together. Uh, one kid got married. One kid was off to college. One kid was still in the house. And you have to fine tune and adjust your lives to keep the family bond strong. Otherwise, the family starts losing the relationship that was once so strong. And, and I've heard people say this at the altar. Well, you know, we just drifted apart. We just drifted apart, Pastor. We just drifted apart. You can drift apart, but you can also drift back together. You can drift closer to each other. We had a birthday party at our house last month for Liam. And uh, at the birthday party, we were playing hide and seek. And so all the kids were playing, and, and I was playing too. And this one kid was hidden for an hour. We thought we lost a child. We were like, where is Joshua? He was such a good hider. He hid for an hour, did not come out. I think he fell asleep in his hiding place or something. 
So Ashley discovers there's a human underneath the rubble over here in, in one part of our house. And, um, and so the boys had already moved on to new games. And she says, hey, there's still one more kid left that we got to find. And they said, well, we don't know where he is. We gave up. And she said, well, it's in this vicinity. When you get close, I'll say hot. But when you're far from him, I'll say cold. So, you know, they start moving around the vicinity. And we're like, cold, cold, freezing, freezing. And they start moving close to him. We go, hot, 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 fire, fuego, hot. You are so close. You know, and they find him. And in the same way, our relationships can move towards hot and can move towards cold. What leads to a cold relationship? What leads to coldness between Ashley and I, coldness between you and your dad, between you and your mom, between you and your sister, between you and that close friend. What leads to the coldness? It's when you're moving away from the very thing that keeps you warm, the very thing that keeps you close. And the little things make a huge difference. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Here's the, here's the truth. The truth to that lie is that a healthy marriage or a healthy relationship requires regularly making improvements and adjustments. Ashley? Yeah, how many of you guys have gone like road trip, Tulsa to Dallas, right? Like there's a lot of different speed zones that change. There's a lot of school zones. There's a lot of small towns. There's a lot of construction zones. And if we were just going to be in cruise control for convenience sake and comfortable sake the whole way, there's going to be some crashes. There's going to be those collisions. There's going to be some speeding tickets. And the same way, we have to be awake and alert to the season of our marriage. No matter how old, no matter how young, no matter how long we've been married, how recent we've been married, we got to know what is the season of our relationships, whether marriage or not marriage. What are the seasons of our of the friendships? What's needed right now? What's fine-tuned? What fine, what's being What's needed to be fine-tuned in? I didn't say that right. No, okay. I was obviously struggling trying to get that out of, of my mouth. But I think the, 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 the root of if it ain't broken, don't fix it is just laziness. It's so good, yeah. We just get lazy with our relationships. We get lazy with our friendships. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. And a lot of times, again, we wait till rock bottom we wait till the divorce papers are served before we actually, oh, oh, wait, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And a lot of times it's too late. A lot of times there's been a lot of bridges that have already been burned in the processes because we weren't awake and alert to the climate and the landscape of our relationships. Or if it's not too late, there's a lot, there's been bridges that have burned and it's a lot longer of a road to recovery because a lot of time was wasted because we fell asleep at the wheel when it came to our relationships. Wow. And so it's so important that we recognize, okay, let's be evaluating what is needed now. What fine to, what is, what is needed in this moment? Because what's needed back then, like Paul said, it may not be needed now. And you know, again, we, we, we are the, when I think about the journey of even our, just our marriage, whether it's that first year or whether it's that, uh, you know, last week. <laughs> I mean, whatever it is that comes up in our marriage, the, the season of, uh, yeah, the grief and the loss, the transition of stepping into something way bigger um, than we could do on our own. Obviously, leading the church, the, this, the transition from um, the young adults to, to leading here, the uh, transition of one kid, two kid, three kid, four kid, walking through our miscarriage like a number of things, the disappointments, people coming in and out of the church. I mean, life can weigh on you, right? Yeah. And when it weighs on you, it can affect the relationships around you. Yeah. But if you just adjust and be in cruise control, well, whatever works now is going to work forever. There's some methods that have, that have an expiration date. <laughs> and we have to be in tune and awake to the current season of our relationships so we can say, you know what? What was working then is not working now and we need to get a new game plan. And it doesn't make us, I'm getting into our other, does that lead into number three? Oh no, snap. I was about to leak into our other lies here. But it, it, it what it does, I lost track of thoughts because I was trying good. to stay on track. But the point is, is to evaluate what is needed now. The lie, the lie of it ain't broken, don't fix it. And the truth is a healthy marriage requires making improvements and adjustments on the regular. Everybody say, on the regular. On the regular. All right, the third lie. We will never have to deal with fill in the blank. I love it when people say this. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. 
We will never have to. I'll never deal with that. The only thing we argue about is what movie to rent. We'll never have a tough argument. Oh, I'll never deal with that. Be careful when you say this sentence right here. You are inviting that very thing to show up at your front doorstep in the following year. It's the lie of pride. And John Maxwell said this to us last week when we were with him. He said, we are all one step away from stupid. (laughs) If you came for church for one thing this weekend, you came for that sentence right there. We are all one step away from stupid. Absolute truth. Here's the truth to this lie right here. We're all one step away from stupid, but we're also one step away from success. That's good news. The good news is if you have faced something that you said you'd never face, the good news is you're one step towards moving back to healing, moving back to restoration, moving towards a a new chapter in your life where God can do something fresh. But if you think that you'll never face something, here's what Proverbs says. The king of wisdom during his time, Proverbs 16, 18, pride comes before a fall. Pride comes before a fall. Ash and I, we used to take a um, canoe trip every year with our young adults uh, when we were leading the young adult ministry. And about nine, nine or 10 years ago, we were um, in the Buffalo River. We were on our canoe trip. I think we got a picture from that time. We were out in the river and we told all the young adults, we said, watch us, we're experts, we're professionals. We've never tipped out of a canoe. We're not like the people that tip out of canoes. You know, there are some people who don't know what they're doing, they tip out of canoes. We know what we're doing. We're not gonna tip out, just follow our lead. I kid you not, in our first few minutes of getting in the river, we flipped that canoe upside down. We were soaked in water. Ashley comes up with her hoodie and she's like, What just happened? I come up with my headband, and I'm like, that was awesome. (laughs) And the young adults were taking pictures, laughing. They're like, huh, never never tipped out of the canoe, did you? Really? You know, never never going to make a mistake here. And I think here's the point. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, we will all face trouble. There is no exemption for any marriage, any person, any relationship from trouble, from trials, from difficulty, from arguments, from the potential threat of of, of hurts and wounds that could lead you to a cold state in your marriage. We're all one step away from making a dumb decision. But Jesus also said, but take heart, my dear friends, I have overcome this world. In Christ, we can have the victory that we need in our relationships. In Christ, we don't have to step towards stupid. We can step towards success. All right. Yeah, I want to say something on that really fast. When we have, when we believe the lie that we will never deal with this and give in to that lie of pride, we then put ourselves in a position and lock ourselves up from extending compassion to people who have dealt with things. Yeah. Because when we say we've never dealt with this, it is pride. And then we put ourselves in a place of judgment that if people do deal with this, then they're this. And then, there's, then we, we, we limit our ability to show compassion to other people who are dealing with things because we are such in a state of, I will never deal with this and I won't ever deal with this. Yeah, that's good. And I think what it does is when we, when we say we never, um, when we realize, that when we're so aware that we're human, <laughs> like when we're so aware that we're nothing without Christ. Yeah keeps you grounded. It keeps you grounded. And again, it keeps you at a place where you can extend and show compassion to where when it does happen to you or people around you, you're in a place to extend mercy and grace. Or if you want to be a safe place for people, if you want people to open up, if you want them to come to you and lean on you, nobody's going to come to you and lean on you if you carry around, if we carry around a spirit of pride. Well, it's really the religious leaders we'll never in the day of Jesus. Yeah, the Pharisees, totally. you know, pointing at the woman caught in the act of adultery. Oh, let's stone her. You know, she made a big mistake. Jesus says, well, you without sin cast the first stone. Yeah. And it was kind of just this wake up call to the religious leaders like, oh, I guess we all need grace. Like all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All right, here, here's the fourth lie, fourth lie that, that the enemy uses to deceive people. We don't need help. <laughs> I just heard a few people laugh. <laughs> we don't need help. We got this. We don't need help. 
here's the, here, here's the reality. You do need help. You need God's help, and you need help from friends. You need help from your church. You need help from a connect group. You need, we all need help. My grand-grand turns 96 this month, and uh, we're going to celebrate. Next week, I'm going to do a little interview with her on stage. It's going to be so sweet uh, and talk to her about wisdom. But she was telling me last night, I said, grand-grand, how are you doing this month? I can't wait to celebrate your birthday, you know, February 25th. She said, no, I've been celebrating it all month. I said, really? She said, yeah, my connect group has been taking me out. They've been treating me. They've been giving me cards. She said, I feel so loved and celebrated. She said, you know, my connect group has been there for me through a lot of things. And I was just thinking, uh, sometimes the older we get, the less we think we need people. Uh, or may maybe it changes. I don't know. Maybe you go through seasons in your 30s, 40s, you go, I got this. And then it switches in your 50s, 60s, you go, man, I really need some relationships. All I know is this. At the end of the day, we need each other. We need God. We need a community. We need friends. We need fathers. We need sons. We need mothers. We need daughters. We need a family. It takes a village to become who God's called you to be. It takes a village for us. It takes a village for you. We need help. And James chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So when we're prideful, when we go, like how many of you have a hard time asking for directions? Because you just know where you're going. Yeah. A couple of us are the men in the room. When we're on a road trip, <laughs> Ashley would be like, do you know where we're going? Oh, yeah. I know where I'm going. I'm an expert. I created this map. I know what's going on here. The confidence that he has to get us to a place that he's never been to is amazing. It's a miracle. I'm genuinely amazed. That's when I just kind of check out on my phone and just, you know, keep the peace. Yeah. Because then I, then I get lost. And by the way, the phone does sometimes lead you astray. The map, it's not always correct. The maps is not always correct. I'm like, what is going on here? And the phone is always listening to you. So just don't be careful what you say. You know, government, government's listening We're to you. I'm not going to dive into conspiracy theories All right, right now. But, but, um, but here's what I am going to say. When I get lost, I have to turn around, go to the gas station, ask for help. Here's the truth about this lie right here. The truth is asking for help doesn't make you weak. It makes you wise. Asking for help doesn't make us weak. It makes us wise. You know, there's been some times where Ashton and I have just reached out and pulled people in. In fact, when we were dating, we pulled Ryan and Jill Stafford in. We said, will you just help us? Like, we want to have a good courting relationship. Help us with boundaries. Check up on us. Make, make sure that we're doing things right. And we invited their counsel. Proverbs says, with many counselors, there is victory. But, but, but when someone refuses counsel, when someone refuses advice... There was a time we were having a disagreement over a financial decision. Ashley thought we should do one thing. I was convinced we should do the opposite of that thing. I'm sure never, you guys have never faced something like this. But in, in our marriage, we've had some moments where she wants to spend some money that I don't think we should spend, or I want to buy something that she doesn't think we should buy. And uh, so this one time, I remember calling Dr. Rutland because it was getting kind of heated. And I called Mark Rutland. I just said, he was one of our mentors. And I said, let me tell you what's going on. He said, talk, talk to me, Paul. I said, Ashley thinks she's right. And he said, okay. And I said, but listen, here's the truth. I'm right. You know, I start telling him. And I said, so what do you think? Who's right? He goes, Ashley's right. I said, what? How can you side with her? And he goes, listen, he goes, I don't have Ashley's number. She didn't text me. She didn't call me because I said, she must have talked to you. No. He said, um, there's been many times in my past where my wife, Allison, was right. And I said, I said, so what'd you do? He said, well, I had to repent and apologize because I thought I was right and I was stubborn and hard-headed. He said, but now that I've gotten older, I've learned to listen to my wife a little bit more. And uh, so he said, just, you know, save yourself that, that embarrassment of having to go back and apologize. Just in this moment, realize she's right. I said, but she's not right. He goes, Paul, trust me on this one. She's right. And sure enough, she was right. <laughs> Don't have to rub it in. Maybe for bonus material, I'll tell you all the story one day. But I really was, it was right. Okay. Um, but there's multiple times where where Paul is definitely right. Okay. But here's something I wrote down here. Multiple. Humility. Thousands. Humility is the pathway Millions. towards victory. That's really good. Y'all are laughing, but you need to hear this. This is a good word right here. Humility is the pathway towards victory. Humility. And and, and I really do believe this. 
I believe that the more we walk in humility, the more God sets us up for victory. And, and the more healthy, uh, you know, healing there is in our relationships. Ashley and I went to, um, last year, we went and saw this, uh, this couple. They're an older couple, and they retired from pastoring. They're in their late 70s, and they lead a ministry called the Heart Healer Ministry. And we heard about them from Darius Daniels, and so we, we went to go and see them, and it's just powerful. Yeah, and this year, we've kind of met with them now regularly, and they just counsel couples, counsel pastors, they offer help, they talk about just continuing to lead from a healthy heart, a healed heart, and um, it's, it's been so good because they have given us tools to just strengthen our marriage and our relationship. And again, you're not weak when you ask for help, you're wise. All right, here's the fifth lie. The fifth lie is... It's better if they don't know. Ashley, you want to talk about that one? It's better if they don't know. The lie of secrecy. Yeah. And keeping things hidden. And, you know, to bring the truth to light, that's the only way there's going to be healing. Because then our whole life, and we're spending so much time trying to cover more lies and more lies. And the truth is to this, the truth is, is that love only thrives in honest, open transparency. Yeah. That love only thrives in honest, open transparency. And you know, Paul and I, whether it's from the past or whether it's things that we've walked through recently or years ago, months ago, whatever that is, no matter what, to have honesty in our relationship, we have to carve out space and time for those conversations to happen. Yeah. And right now, I mean, you guys, like whether you get it now or you've gotten it because you've been there, the majority of you, some of you don't have kids and busy lives, but even just without kids, like just work and life can get busy. It takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of work to have really good conversations, uninterrupted time. And I think about the times where we've just, whether it's been honest, whether it's with about things that we're walking through or things that we're personally going through, when honesty and truth is present, our intimacy grows. Yeah. And isn't that true with our relationship with God? Yeah. When the, our relationship with God, that this love relationship right here only thrives when we're honest with God. When we repent to God, when we confess to God, and when we're transparent with God and we allow him to love us at the version of who we are now and not a future version, our intimacy so in this walk, this love relationship grows and it flourishes. And, you know, we've had these conversations where, man, I want to tell you this thing or I want to tell this person this one thing, but, man, when I tell them the truth, they've just blown up. Are we someone that we, we demand the truth, we, we want honesty, but when honesty is given, we just blow up and we just fly off the handle? Are we someone that has a track record that says, you know what, I'm a safe place that you can open up to? Not just safe because of my response, but safe in even keeping your confidence. Yeah. Keeping, like, are we gossiping? Are we spreading, are we spreading things that are meant to be intimate? And so as we're demanding honesty, are we people that can also be those ones that receive honesty? Have, and, you know, one big thing that has helped me tremendously is when I need to have an honest conversation. Honesty, I mean, yeah, it can be some deep, dark sins, or it could just be how something really hurt you. How you really just kind of swept things under the rug, but something really hurt you and offended you and you need to bring this up because there's honesty and where there's truth, there's freedom. You know, I find something that's really helped me no matter what and when I really need to be honest is when I take it to God first. Yeah. And I allow myself, he is the safest person to vent to. Where I can say exactly what I think, exactly how I feel. And when I allow the healing to be initiated right here, I believe that, yes, there's, there's healing that happens here and there's healing that needs to happen here. But it, when I first want the healing to be initiated right here, yeah. sometimes it backfires because I vent everything here, meaning here to Paul or to peers, instead of first allowing this to be my first conversation. 
and allowing the healing to be initiated from my heavenly father. Because the truth is, is if we just start blasting all the truth and we don't wait for love, then we got to start over. I'm forget- it's like, now nah, I got to forgive you about this. Have you guys been there before where you just blasted in truth and now you're offended about something while you were trying to do the right thing? You were trying to have, that is like the worst, if I can be honest. When you're trying to do the right thing and, and then it just it just goes worse because of the the timing or the package or the method or something. And then you get so upset because you're like, I'm trying to do the right thing. And now we're upset about the way that you were trying to do the right thing. Has that anybody happened to anybody? And then you're, then there's just, then the pile of what you need to forgive is just growing and growing and growing. And anyways, we have to wait for the love when we speak the truth. We have to wait for the love. And it's only by going here first, our Heavenly Father, that He's going to give us the love that we need to speak the truth. So good. I want the keys to come out as we come to the last few lives here. But you know, I think about this, that in the garden, God had an intimate relationship with Adam and Eve before they sinned. The Bible says they were naked and they had no shame. They, they weren't trying to cover themselves up. They weren't trying to hide. They weren't trying to pretend to be someone. They were completely confident, comfortable, naked without any shame. And I truly believe that like this idea of nakedness in the marriage, where there is honesty, openness, transparency, where there is no hiding, no no secrets, there's this freedom that comes, there's this intimacy that that grows. And um, you know, I was thinking about how even in our city, our city is dealing with this thing right here. And I'm gonna take a step out on on a ledge here by sharing this. About four or five months ago, I started seeing articles in our news and and online and in the newspaper about going back to what happened 100 years ago in Tulsa, 1921, the race massacre that occurred. And that there's things hidden beneath the ground that could reveal more to the story um, that hasn't been shared, that hasn't really been dealt with and how our city has decided to open the investigation to, to look back on what happened 100 years ago. And there are people who go, whoa, why, 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 why are we digging up the past? You can't heal in the future if you don't deal with the past. You can't have a healthy future if you don't deal with the pain of the past. And sometimes the past is ugly. Sometimes the past is maybe not your fault. Maybe it's a generation prior that's no longer here today. But when we deal with that, that's when we can face it. You can't walk with healthy, healing, wholeness in your future if you have not properly, feelings buried alive don't die. And, and, and we were sitting with this, this couple who helps us uh, that we've talked with. This, they call, they're called the Heart Healer Ministry, Heart Healers. And um, she said that feelings buried alive don't die. And I said, well, what good is it to dig up old feelings, to dig up old experiences? She said, Paul, there's something today that's affecting you from your past. I said, what do you mean? And she said, you know, you, you guys are being honest here. So there, there are some things that you, you guys get a little flustered with one another on. And she said, what happened when you were a kid? I said, nothing. I grew up in a, a perfect home. I grew up with an amazing dad, an amazing mom. She said, okay, all right. Did you ever go through any like pain or abandonment? Did anyone leave you? No, 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 I'm fine. Like there's no problem. Like I had a perfect child. And as she started to dig, I started realizing just little things, little things that built up as a kid. Little things and, and things that I would never imagine would come up. You know, I was so grateful that my dad ran back into the house to pull me out of the fire. Never dawned on me. I was left in there on, on accident. You know, the, all the kids got out and... Uh, and then they realized Paul was still inside, the last one. Um, and, but he ran back in. He risked his life to come back in and get me. And just a few things that, that through my childhood and teenage years, there was this fear of who's going to leave me next? Who's going to forget me? Um, and it just things where people had left our church that were so close to me. And as she starts unraveling these things, I go, no, 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 don't go there. Don't go there. Don't. No, it's not helpful. This is 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 not helpful. I heard you, Paul, but if we don't deal with some of these things, you buried, feelings buried alive don't die. And if they keep resurfacing, they resurface with anger, with a short fuse, with getting impatient with your kids. And you don't want to repeat that. 
You don't want to carry, like you don't want to punish people in your present because of what happened in your past. And so through that, we, we went on this journey of just digging up some of those wounds and hurts and, and it was ugly and there was tears and there was repentance and there was forgiveness. And um, I'm a better man because I went through some of those things. And I'm not sharing, I shared a fraction of it with you, but some of us in this room, we do need to, we do need to go back and we do need to face some of those things. And I believe our city is gonna be better on the other side of this situation. And I think we're gonna really find some healing. We can't be a healed nation until we repent of the sins of our past. And I wanna just say it right now. I repent of the sins of our city. I repent of the sins of the past. And I just pray in Jesus' name for healing to flow in the city of Tulsa, for reconciliation, for restoration, for love in Jesus' name. Number six, the sixth lie that I think ruins relationships is it's best to follow your feelings. If you don't feel in love, then it must not be love. And this is a terrible foundation for any relationship to thrive. You know, uh, whether it's a father and a son, a mother and a daughter, uh, a, a husband and a wife. Well, I don't feel, I don't feel like forgiving you. I don't feel like loving you. I don't feel like going the extra mile. I don't, just don't feel like it. Don't feel like going to church. Don't feel like giving to God. Don't feel like, and if I don't feel like it, my feelings, I should follow my feelings. No, you shouldn't. Our society celebrates feelings over truth. And because of that, we have these crumbling foundations and people are, are walking away from marriage and walking away from their family because of their feelings. Well, I just don't feel in love anymore. But here's the truth to this lie. The truth is love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Since when was love ever a feeling? When you look in the Bible and, and you realize the definition of love is God. Well, God's not a feeling-based God. God is a truth-based God. There is no lie in God. There is no teeter-totter with God. Like God is truth and, and his love is unconditional. He chooses its choice-based love. The best kind of love in a relationship is not feeling-based love, it's choice-based love. And Jeremiah 17, nine says, the heart is deceiving above all things. So don't, don't just trust your heart, trust in God's word. Let God's word lead your heart. Don't let your feelings lead you. You lead your feelings. Tell your feelings to get behind the truth of God's word and follow what God says. And Ashley, you wanna go into this last slide? Oh yeah, can I just share a quick yeah. thought on that? Um, there's, a, there's a quote that I think is really good, that feelings are much like waves. We can't stop them from coming, but we can choose which ones to serve. And you know, I think it's important that we don't, we don't deny feelings, we don't avoid them, we realize that they come. I mean, the situation happens, a word is said, we're in our job, we're in our home, we're in our marriage, and things come while we're by ourselves in a group, whatever that is. I mean, feelings just come out of nowhere, but we get to choose which ones we're gonna, which ones we're gonna surf, which ones we're gonna let have the final say. And honestly, this is what it looks like. I have feelings all the time. Throw my feelings out there and decide this is gonna be the final say. That no matter what I feel, that he gets to choose when I get to forgive. He gets to choose who I'm going to forgive. He gets to choose who I'm going to show mercy to. He gets to choose when I'm going to show mercy to. He gets to choose how I love. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy that I submit. Like this whole question really has to do with who's the Lord of our life. Who's the Lord of our life? Who has the final authority when it comes to navigating life that I might feel this and some of these feelings are very valid. Some of us are walking through some really painful things. But the problem is, is that, the, that we, we leave it at that feeling. It's like we, we, we feel these certain things and then we count on our flesh and we count on our feelings to see our way out. This is the light in the tunnel. Yeah. When we feel confused, I mean, I was thinking about it. I was, over, I was listening and on a conversation with my boys the other day, they were having a little slumber party in the room. They don't share a room. So when they get to have a slumber party, it's really sweet. Well, they had a great conversation, so sweet. I mean, I was in tears listening to it. And then literally like two minutes later, like they were already wondering, well, you're not gonna be my best friend if you do this. I mean, all the love and motion because she was there. And then two minutes later, well, you're not my best friend. You're well, not you're invited, not invited to, my to my party. Yeah. You know, I mean, it changed so fast. Thank God for the consistency of God's Amen. word. 
word, Amen. the consistency of God's word. If we are living on a roller coaster, if we feel like our life is on a roller coaster and we're, we're looking for stability, this is the rock that's going to bring stability. On, no matter hell or high water in the valleys or the mountaintops, yes. it is his work that is going to bring stability to our soul and our minds no matter when we feel like we've made the best decision or the worst decision, yeah. no matter if we feel at our worst or our best, it is his word and what he says that brings stability in our life. The last lie is this. We can never get past this. We can never get past this. We'll never get past this. And maybe you want to substitute that because you're not in a marriage, but maybe you're saying, I can never get past this. I can never get free of this. I can never get past this wound, this hurt from my dad, from my mom. I can never get past what they did to me, what they did, what they said to me. I can just, ne I can never. And this is a lie from the enemy. The enemy loves to keep us in a place of defeat, in a cage. And the truth is you have the key to get out of that cage. You might've walked into that cage to go, I'm defeated, I'm addicted, I'll never break this addiction, it's a generational curse. We're always gonna be like this, no, 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 that's a lie and you have the key to get out of that cage. So you just walk out of that cage today. Because with Christ, we are never without hope. With Christ, this lie convinces us there's no way out, there's no escape, there's no hope, there's no freedom, there's no victory. But with Christ, if there's breath in your lungs, there's hope for your future. That's the truth. If there's breath in your lungs, there's hope for your future. And I, I believe this over your children. Some of you have accepted that your kid is lost that he is out, that he's addicted. But I'm telling you today, if there's breath in his lungs, there's always hope for his future. He's coming back home in Jesus' name. Though the righteous may fall seven times, they will rise again. We, we take our kids hiking, and we were hiking in the woods not too long ago. And as we were going down the forest, it was just Liam, Benaya, and we didn't have the younger ones. But all of a sudden, Benny goes, Daddy, you're leaving me. You're leaving me. You're leaving me. And I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. And, and you're leaving me. And I turn around. He's 15 feet behind me. I go, Benny, I, I'm not leaving you. I'm right here. No, you're leaving me. You're walking away. And I'm stuck. Benny, you're not stuck. Yes, I am. And you're leaving me. And I think some of us sound like this with God. I'm stuck. And you're leaving me, Daddy. I'm stuck. And you're leaving me. You're leaving me in this addiction. You're leaving me in this heartache. You're leaving our marriage in this season of pain. You're, 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 we're stuck and you're leaving us. No, 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 he's not leaving. I didn't leave Benny and God hasn't left you. And I turned to Benny, I said, Benny, I'm not leaving. I'm gonna help you get out of this. There's no way I can get out. I'm stuck, you gotta carry me. I said, Benny, turn left. I don't know which way is left. Okay, turn, turn this way. So he turns, I said, see that rock? Yeah, jump to that rock. So he jumps. I said, turn this way. You see that rock? Yeah. Jump. He jumps to that rock. And he looks up at us. Daddy, I'm not stuck anymore. He runs to me, gives me a big hug. I'm not stuck anymore. I'm not stuck anymore. I said, Benny, you were never stuck. You just stopped. You were never stuck. You just stopped. You stopped loving each other. You stopped going on dates. You stopped praying together. You stopped going to church together. You stopped holding his hand. You stopped forgiving her. You stopped spending time with them. You were never stuck, you just stopped. And when we stop, we get stuck. But you can move. You have the power to move. Movement is life. And when you start moving towards God, you're either moving in a cold direction in a relationship or you're moving in a warm direction. But you are not stuck. With Christ, you can always take a step towards healing, a step towards forgiveness, a step. Let's stand to our feet today all over this room. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Y'all receive that message today? There's freedom happening in this room today for someone. There's freedom, not just for married people, for singles in the room, for those who are dating, for those who've had a wound in your heart towards your dad. I'm gonna ask no, none of us to move. I promise I'll dismiss you in four minutes. But if we can just honor what the Holy Spirit wants to do in this moment, I believe God wants to minister to some men, some women, some teenagers, some grandparents, some husbands, some wives. I specifically feel that last point right there. Some of us in this room have just stopped and we need to start again in the areas that God has called us to make moves, to pray, to forgive, to love, to hold the hand again. 
to say, I choose to forgive, to say, I was wrong, I'm sorry. You're not without hope. If you're here today and the enemy has been whispering any of these lies to you and you are ready to stay, to stand up and reject those lies and accept his truth, I want you to raise your hand today across this room. If that's you, yeah, hands going up. Today is your day to say, I am accepting. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, yes. Listen, you're not alone. The enemy wants you to think, oh, don't raise your hand. You're the only one. No, you're not. There are so many of us that are raising our hands today to say, I choose love. I choose life. I choose forgiveness. If you just need God's healing power in a relationship in your life, maybe it's with your father, maybe it's with your mother, maybe it's with your son, with your daughter, maybe it's with a sister, a brother, a best friend, maybe it is with your spouse, I want you to raise your hand. You just need God's healing power in your relationships today. You need, a, 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 you just need God's help in a relationship that's, that's kind of cold right now, that you need strength in, you need his help. Lastly, you're here today and you say, man, I'm not right with God, and that's the relationship that I need to get right today. That's the best relationship to work on. If you're here today and you just need to get things right with God, I want you to raise your hand across this room. Today's your day of salvation. Today's your day of freedom. Today's your day of victory. If you raised your hand or you should have raised your hand, we are old school, but we are going to call you forward today to take a step towards your healing. Will you leave your seat today? Come and meet us at this altar right here. We want to shake your hand. We want to pray for you. We want to celebrate what God is about to do in your life. So just step out from your seat. Come with your father. Come with your wife come with your husband come by yourself come as you are come with the hurt come with the pain come with the mess God wants to restore you God wants to heal you God is not finished with your story you are not stuck you are not stuck you are not defeated you are not a victim you have the victory in Jesus name we're gonna step down right now and we want to pray with everyone who's coming down today to this altar just come as you are you're not alone in this. In Jesus' name, for all the believers in the room that are standing uh, near your seat, I want you to just stretch your hand out today that healing is going to flow in this place. Victory is going to flow. Forgiveness is going to flow. What your daddy did, what your mom did, God's giving you the power to face it, to forgive them. God's going to give you the power to love again. God's going to give you the power to love yourself, to forgive yourself where you've been hurting, where you've been angry at mistakes you made, at things you did wrong. God's going to give you strength. We need a, another prayer counselor right here. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray for healing in homes, healing in families, healing in marriages, healing for sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, husbands and wives. In Jesus' name, you are not alone in your struggle. You are not alone. God is with you. The church is with you. You have the victory. You are not stuck. God has the victory for you. God has the victory in Jesus' name. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I'm all yours. I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. I accept you as Lord of my life. I reject the lies of the enemy and I accept the truth of your word. You have the final say and I am yours. And I believe that my best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Come on, give God praise today. It's a new day. It's a new season.